Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Hope you had a great weekend. Glad you're with us on a Monday. You know, Rod, I really I thought it was going to really bother me to see the old Oiler uniforms worn by the Tennessee Titans. Not only just the, the uniforms, everything in the stadium. Yeah. Set Oilers on it. But it just got to remind me of my PTSD from my childhood. <laughs> Same old Oilers. Same old damn Oilers. Uh, yeah, no, it is. You're right about that, though. Uh, it wasn't Oiler-like meltdown. It was. It <laughs> Oiler-like collapse. I still miss those junies because those oh, junies are too. clean. But I'm happy that D'Amico. I said at the beginning of the season, I said, D'Amico, if you're going to win one, uh, in Texans' minds, Texans fans' minds, you got to win the one where they're going to straight up disrespect you in the ultimately petty fashion that they did and wear those Oiler Love You Blue uniforms against you. They could have wore those uniforms against anybody. They chose to wear them against you because they wanted to be petty. And I'm glad my man D'Amico was able to throw it in their face. And they, they, they thought for sure they was going to win it when Texas was down. The Texas are down, what, six starters in that game? No C.J. Stroud. Uh, no Tank Dale, Nico Collins out, and yet they still found a way to, to show up. Oh, and the Oilers, Noah Brown showed up for him too, big game. Well, I thought the, uh, the left side of their offensive line was the key. They were able to run the ball with Devin Singletary, who had 126 yards against a it's pretty stingy defense, right? They had just beaten Miami oh, yeah. on Monday Night Football, and uh, Texans were their own worst enemy a lot in that game with penalties and red zone issues. Had to settle for a bunch of field goals, but they got the late touchdown in case Keenum made enough plays. And yep. Case Keenum, forever a Texans hero to to slay the uh, the oh, Titans in those uniforms. In those uniforms, uh, he's he was already you know a guy that was totally entrenched within the organization, right? Yeah, baby. Uh, he had had some time there, but now you're right to have that on your resume. Oh, yeah, and to keep their playoff hopes alive. I don't know where they're yeah. going to go, but now <laughs> that sets up a massive game with Cleveland this weekend for Houston. Browns won again with Joe Flacco, so this this is a season unlike any other we've seen, Rod, with the backup quarterbacks and. You know, teams still in the mix with backup quarterbacks like Joe Flacco, like you mentioned. Uh, it's amazing. Jake Browning in Cincinnati, Houston now. We'll see with C.J. Stroud. Well, I said, it really is. does. You really do so you can coach. It goes back to who can coach because you lose that advantage. You lose your ultimate advantage. The great equalizer is your, your starting quarterback, right? It's what se- pretty much separates everybody in this league. And when you lose that, even for a game or two, considering how competitive the NFL is, how parity-driven the NFL is, it really, I think it really does uh, show you what coaches have a, a high amount of coaching acumen and the ability. What I always say about coaches, coaches are just problem solvers, man. Go solve the damn problem. You know, and, and you're presented with a ton of problems when you lose your starting quarterback. A ton. Yeah. And you talked about they're just injuries galore. That's just coaches solving problems. All right, you know what? I got a backup. He does this well. He's got this weakness. How do I supplement this when I don't have it? That's coaches solving problems on the fly. And I think it's you're seeing some separation in this league as a result of it. Well, and, and give D'Amico Ryan's credit for not oh. just, you know, solve the problem. They, the, you know, the, the, Davis Mills has been their backup quarterback all year. Davis mm-hmm. Mills is not hurt. They went to Case Keenum yep. because they felt like it gave him a better chance. He said big game. He wanted a big guy yes. who played in some big games. Well, he, he, I remember the Minnesota Miracle back in the day. I mean, he, mm-hmm. led, he led the Minnesota Vikings to a 13-win season. That's a great point. Uh, now, the one thing I'll say for Case Keenum, he hadn't played in two years. I mean, he's not even getting reps as a third-string quarterback in practice. So, he was rustier. That pick six he threw early was, you know, looked like it was going to beat Houston. And they still found a way to win it. But, yeah, problem-solving. 
And D'Amico Ryans with a big culture win there. Uh, Mike McCarthy's culture took a hit yesterday. Yes, where the Cowboys, did. Uh, this is the second time. This is what's real disappointing for Cowboys fans. And um, we've had several, by the way, who said, I'm a big Cowboys fan. I'm disappointed. But James Cook helped me win my fantasy football game. Thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> torn. I'm torn. Come on. Yeah, yeah. James Cook <laughs> running all over us. 200 and something. Career day for him. It was yeah. his best, best game he's ever had. Yeah, well, yeah. well, and speaking of the problem solving, right, is that, you know, the Bills fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, because they were turnover prone mm-hmm. and not executing. And, you know, Joe Brady's done a good job. And yes, one of the things he's, he's done is make them more physical, allow them to run the ball more with James Cook. And now they're back in the mix as well, solving that problem. But for the Cowboys, you know, it, it, here's the thing. It's the second time they've gone against a really good team. And we know the Bills, are, their roster's more talented than their record was going into that game with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. I mean, these are elite players. Uh, They've got them on both sides of the ball. Uh, And they did it with San Francisco too, Rod. They're the ones that say it's a measuring stick game for us. They're the ones talking about – They apply the pressure. They're applying the pressure. They're the ones saying, no, this is a huge game. It's on the road. It's our chance to show, make a statement. We just beat the Eagles. We're we're sitting where we want to be. And it's the second time they haven't just lost. They've just come up so lame. Like, golly. Uh, that is disappointing, and that just gives all, all Cowboys fans like Ty, our producer, who, by the way, celebrated a birthday over the weekend. Shout Happy out. birthday, T.Y. But you can speak to this, Ty. This is the PTSD, right? I mean, it's uh, been here before. Uh, Charlie Brown and the football. We've been here before. <laughs> you know, we feel really good about them, buying in, and then they go out and play like that. And, Ty, you warned us last week. Don't, don't, don't believe don't, – don't eat the rat poison on the Cowboys, and you were, dead, you were dead on. That's exactly why I've been telling you I'm not bought in yet. Or if I, even if I will be, I, I don't think I will be at this point after watching the, us play the probably the two most physical teams in the 49ers and the Bills that we played this year, and both have been duds. So yeah, not very not very exciting night of, or day of football yesterday. It certainly well, it, it was for Cowboys fans. Dax MVP, for Cowboys fans. Dax MVP, MVP uh, case is over too. I mean, his MVP yeah, I mean, campaign it lasted like a week. I mean, Ta- Vegas definitely made a killing on that. People placing those bets last week. Yeah. <laughs> who is it? Yeah, is, it? is it Brock Purdy now? Is I the think favorite to win? I, I think I, if, if, uh, if we're playing the same was, game that we played last Monday with the who's who's MVP today, I think I would probably give my vote to Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy says McCaffrey. They're going to split the West Coast vote, though. Yeah, well, that's the problem. And, and we've heard Kyle Shanahan say it, and now Brock Purdy has said it. They don't want it, those two to – so let's pick one. Pick like, one, and let's go with that one. So, so for, for, for the West Coast vote, as you call Purdy's it. Because saying it's McCaffrey. Yeah, I'd give it – well, I mean, here's what I would say. Kyle Shanahan's team has a lot of good players, but when they added McCaffrey last October, they, when, they're, when they're healthy, they've dang near been unbeatable, and a yeah. lot of it's because of him. Yeah. Like, he is he, – he, he was is, the final piece. And he's yeah. such a – I mean, and Debo's playing great, and Ayuk's playing – people forget about Brandon Ayuk. He's mm-hmm. having an you know, all-pro kind of year, Pro Bowl yeah. kind of year. Uh, they're just – they're really, really talented. But McCaffrey, to me, is the MVP of that team. Um, but you know, we, we the debates will rage. You know, Dak Prescott well, probably plays his way out of it. No, there, there's no clear front runner this year. It's nobody has separated themselves this but year. But I would this, this would have been a great year for Patrick Mahomes to just win it by default. But his receivers suck, so he's taking some unfortunate losses too. But I will say this: as we hit the final three weeks now, we got one game tonight to wrap up Week 15. Then there's three weeks of football left to the playoffs. To all the injuries with quarterbacks. You have to say the teams that have a healthy quarterback are still in a really good advantage position, right? Uh, the two is, two, two is still healthy. Baltimore, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we know that, um, and that's that's going to be a key for the next three weeks. Yes, can, can they keep that's Lamar Jackson? Yeah, well, Josh Allen, Trend, yeah. Tua, Baltimore, you, you know, even Jacksonville. But Jacksonville now with their loss last night that helped Indianapolis and Houston because top three teams in the South are eight and six. 
And, you know, Jacksonville's lost back-to-back games. And now Trevor Lawrence is in the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. We saw him battle through that injury. But, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes is still healthy in Kansas City. Dak Prescott still healthy in Dallas. Jalen Hurts needs to get healthy. That's been a conversation in Philadelphia. That will be the question And, for them. Uh, you know, Jared Goff's healthy in Detroit. We just talked mm-hmm. about uh, Baker Mayfield. We talked about uh, Brock Purdy. If you can keep your quarterback healthy, that gives you a huge advantage at this time of year. Can we get to the uh, trending topics of the top stories outside of the NFL conversation? Yeah, we'll start with, uh, and by the way, Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories, and the top stories, without a doubt, the Texas Longhorn volleyball team light the tower again, a second consecutive year. The Longhorns and their head coach, Jared Elliott, finish off a back-to-back run, and they did it yesterday on a nation- in front of a nationally televised audience on ABC, and they did it with an exclamation point. Here's how it sounded yesterday afternoon. Nebraska, for the entirety of the season, has been the best team in college volleyball. To see what Texas has done to the number one overall seed is nothing short of dominant. For the championship. Just like last year, back to back on an ace for Texas. Your national champions, the Texas Longhorns. There it was, yeah, service ace to win it, and that was appropriate. They set a record for aces in a championship game. Uh, Madison Skinner, the the outside hitter, was the most outstanding player of the tournament, but just a great team win for the Longhorns, who finished off top-ranked Nebraska in three straight sets. Uh, after that epic five-set match with Tennessee in the round of 16, Longhorns rolled past the top three teams in the country in order. Stanford from 3-1, to one, Stanford, Wisconsin, and Nebraska to clinch the program's fifth national championship. Third-ranked Texas football team to use their quest for a national championship two weeks from today. They'll face second-ranked Washington in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's night out there in New Orleans. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian's horns began bowl practice this weekend. They also received a major commitment from one of their top transfer portal targets. Former Houston wide receiver Matthew Golden made a visit and officially announced his intention to transfer to Texas. The 6'190 pounder caught 76 passes, nearly 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns in two years with the Cougars. He's also a dynamic punt and kick returner. Texas also hosted a large group of high school prospects this weekend out of the early signing window opening on Wednesday. We'll certainly have full updates on those visits coming up this morning here on Hook'em Up. Also a good weekend for Texas men's basketball. Head coach Rodney Terry's Longhorns posted their most impressive win of the non-conference season. They topped LSU 96-85 down at the Toyota Center in Houston. They improved 8-2 on the year. Game featured the return of Dylan DeSue. The big man poured in 17 points at 5 assists in his first game action since last year's NCAA tournament. Back from that foot injury, he'll be huge for the Longhorns moving forward. Mentioned the Cowboys uh, clinched a playoff berth before their game in Buffalo. He kicked off yesterday, but that was about all that was positive. They get beat 31-10 in Buffalo. Uh, Texans get a big win yesterday, 19-16 on a Kaimi Fairbairn 54-yard overtime field goal to get the win there. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Uh, Shout-out to my man CB who did uh, send us the John Bianco tweet uh, that did recognize that the the uh, volleyball team, the Texas volleyball team, became the ninth Longhorn program to ever win back-to-back national titles. We were talking about that last week and talked about it, uh, opened up the show. Uh, quite the, uh, the feat and the uh, rarefied air that Jared Elliott and his volleyball program are now in. They joined Texas baseball that did it. Texas football has done it. Men's golf, uh, rowing, uh, men's and women's swimming and diving, uh, women's tennis, and the women's track and field. Shout out. So ladies, the ladies have won 
dominating the back-to-backs, actually. Yeah, so man. Shout out to the ladies. Well, I thought that was what was the, the highlight of the weekend. I mean, a good, bad, and ugly Monday, Rod, is the, the dominating performances. Texas volleyball um, dominating their way. Uh, it's amazing. I saw some, some behind-angle views of Asia O'Neill and her serve. Um, you, you see why this is – how do you get an ace in volleyball when you're at this level? You see this ball come off, and it's it kind of got a knuckleball look to it. And it's kind of spinning, and it's like a, it's like watching a baseball. Bend that thing like that. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, these are high-level volleyball players, yeah. and they can't even return can't, it. Yeah. You, um, six consecutive times. Because you can't track it. Yeah, you can't track it's it. It's like, it, it, like, like a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive uh, how good they were. Also, dominant rod. Uh, can I say again from the from the high school ranks watching the state championship games this weekend up oh, in yeah. Arlington? Let's get into that. Over two hundred thousand fans attended the games. You know the record was set for the most fans in one game at the state championship up in Arlington when Kyler Murray played with that mighty Allen team. Mm-hmm. I think they had forty five or forty six thousand people. But over the course of, of the five days, Rod, they they crowned twelve champions. Twenty four separate communities rallied in there to root for their teams and. Uh, at the end of the day, can we just mention uh, Claude Mathis? Long, Southwest Texas and Texas State fans remember Claude Mathis. He was a great running back at, at Southwest Texas State mm-hmm. back in the day, Rod. Oh, yeah. He's that coach at DeSoto. They just finished off a 15-0 and 0 state championship at the 6A level. It's unbelievable. They beat Summer Creek out of Houston. Summer Creek is north of Houston up there, Atascacita, Humble area. 74-14. to 14. Yeah, they did. Yep. 74 to 14. Yeah, they set a record. Okay, come on, man. In the state title game. Their previous record was 63 points and, scored in a state title game. And let's they not forget 74. that on the 28th of October of this year, they played Duncanville, who won the mm-hmm. 6A Division One crown. Yeah. And they hung 49 on Duncanville. Beat them 49 to 35. Yeah. I mean, they might be the best uh, football team in the country. I mean, they, they definitely have a case that well, they, they have come the through best, that district the and best high school of, football team in the country. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of great ones around the country, I, and I don't keep up with them, so don't be sitting us texts like, "Oh, Robbie, is actually this team ranked number one?" I don't know. I'm just saying, I take that. I take that Desoto. <laughs> I take that Desoto team. Um, honestly, and I, I I take them against almost 99 percent of any team. You know, against 99 percent of the time against any team in the country. I'm sure there are a couple here and there. California's got a couple. I'm sure Florida's probably got. Miami's probably got a couple here and there. But they ain't, they ain't mean, there's no way there are, like, five teams in the country better than DeSoto. And they hung 74 teams, in the championship right? game. It, it, there's no, no way. No way. There's no way. Right? There's just no way. There's just, there's, there's, you know, there, I don't think so. But if there are, please send them to us because I'd like to know. 74 in a, a state title game. This is Texas, man, 6-8. This ain't no, you know what I mean? This, this ain't nothing against other school, other, other states and stuff and other levels of football. But 6-8. That is the biggest of the big boys. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. a grown that's man. The, that's the grown man. And then I, they just treated other. They treated. By the way, from Houston, listen, Houston is. We'll, we'll get into this Raj round today. Actually, in terms of talent, yeah, Houston is is right up there in the top ten most. Uh, you, in my opinion, I think it is probably top ten most uh, fruitful. If you look at it, uh, breeding grounds, if you will, uh, for NFL talent. Period. Yeah, and um, it produces a ton of NFL talent, but nobody in Texas is close to DFW right now. By the way, that that DeSoto win did. Jonte Cook and Trey Wisner were on that team last year, <laughs> and and they won it. <laughs> but this year, this year's team's better. It's com- which is incredible. So it is incredible. Uh, and man. to win, but to put to beat the the champion by fifty, and you had beaten Duncanville, who won the other six A bracket, who beat North Shore Rod, <laughs> yeah. and beat Westlake. I mean, come on, DeSoto, give the Eagles. 
Yeah, give them their props, man. Huge props. Might be the best team in the country. Uh, One of the most dominant runs we've ever seen. I'd love to see somebody who knows uh, something about high school football in all those states write it up. Or maybe they should get different um, high school football uh, writers um, and people that cover high school football in different states and have them make their case. Dang, it is. They should make their case for the best football team. I know they'll never play. They should make their Maybe they will. Maybe they should, every state should have writers make the case for the best team in the state and then put that forth and then have them basically see if they can have the best two teams play. Who they think are the best two teams in the country just play in a – in a, you know, I don't know what you would call it, but you can just call it the Super Bowl of high school football <laughs> where they basically hey, play. Trust me. That'd be, fan, that'd be pretty good. Might be coming. We're, right? We're watching this again. You can do it as a four-team playoff. You can take four teams. You could. DeSoto would be in that phone. Oh, for sure. Hey, uh, Rod, uh, coming up bottom of the hour, we'll, we'll get back into some good, bad, and ugly from the weekend, including the Nebraska coach of the volleyball throwing some shade. Texas his way. Did that happen right after the game? Hold on, why? After getting dolled? I was going to say, you got, you, got, you, you got swept. I'll let you hear it. How you going? What throwing you going, shade. How you throwing shade. Well, you can, you, we'll play it. You decide. Okay. Whether he was throwing shade was at Jared Elliott's team. Okay. We'll get that. But first, Rod's got a rant. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the uh, the Texas state title games a little bit because I went and did some research too, and um, he was just telling you about DeSoto and how dominant they were, scoring 74 points in the, in the title game uh, versus Summer Creek. Uh, and you also brought up something I thought was really interesting too, that Summer Creek and Galena Park North Shore are in the same district. DeSoto and Duncanville are also in the same district. If you go look, at, honestly, to me, that would make – those two districts, and honestly, I would throw the 26-6A one right here in Central Texas in there too, probably the three toughest districts, not probably, they are, the three toughest districts in 6A. Um, district uh, 21-6A, that's the one in Houston with North Shore and Summer Creek both got beat in the state title game uh, by Duncanville DeSoto. The Duncanville DeSoto are in District 6, uh, sorry, 11-6A. Um, that is what Dallas folks call the District of Doom. <laughs> Dallas's District of Doom, uh, our Doomsday District of D-Town is also what they've called it. Uh, that district has Waxahachie in it. They were 9-3. and three. So you had, you had two state title. You had Duncanville was, what, 14-0. and 0. DeSoto, uh, uh, what, they were undefeated too. Um, you had, so you had those two teams uh, that were uh, in the state title game, won the state title game, I should say. Waxahachie was 9-3. and three. Cedar Hill was 8-6, uh, and six, also out of that district. So that is a ra- damn good district. Skyline's in that district. Mansfield in that district. That is a really good district. Houston one is also really good. District 21-6-8, toughest district in H-Town. Um, and that's with North Shore, Summer Creek, both played in the state title game and lost. And Tascacita's in that district. They're 11-3. and three. By the way, so there's no, I mean, there's no scrub either. C. Kings in that district, nine and four. Kingwood, Umbles in that district. Uh, that's a, that's also a powerhouse district too, but can't even compete with what DFW is doing and their district of doom. Um, and I think even Central Texas, 
Like I, said, I think they got one too. The Westlake, Lake Travis, Westlake, you know, 14 and 1. Lake Travis, what? That was an 11 win team, Dripping Springs in that district. So I think 26-6A is probably the third toughest district in Texas. Wow. Behind the District of Doom in Dallas. Nothing's even close to that. And that one in H Town, that 21-6A, uh, which is really interesting. And something else that I, I've just been keeping up with, and you guys know this for a while, is just the amount of talent in the metro areas of DFW and in Houston. By the way, uh, DFW, in terms of dominating the state title games, I counted of the, what, 24 participants in the state title games. There are 24 of them, I believe it was. Uh, ended up with 12 uh, title, uh, 12 champions out of that. Man, I think DFW accounted for six of the champions. <laughs> like, they're DFW teams. It's incredible. And I want to say representing in – just, uh, just in the championship games, 10 of them were from Houston or Dallas of the 24 teams, and seven, uh, I believe, were from uh, the DFW area, and most of those teams won. You know, it's incredible, Rod. Somebody sent us, a, I think you got it too, the graphic of, of, on, a, on a map of the oh, state of where Texas they are? of where the, the state champions, champions were. They're all along I-30 and I-20 across North, North Texas. Yeah. Um, now, the only one that, that's not is uh, – PNG down at Port Nature's Grove, Grove down, yeah. down in uh, the right. H Town, but uh, the, and they beat um, South Oak Cliff, right? So South Oak Cliff was from, part of, yeah, from yeah, the yeah, DFW. Yeah. yeah, matter of fact, I want to say they're one of the only uh, DFW teams well, to lose. Well, so think of, if you just think you don't have the map in front of you, you can't see this as a visual uh, graphic. But for, so go from west of Fort Worth, Rod, where Alito won their 11 state championship, uh, and you start moving to the east. Uh, you hit Gordon that won the one A championship. Wow! Uh, then you hit, uh, got you, I mean, it's yeah. just, uh, no, they, uh, Albany, Alito, Gordon. Then you get they, into Dallas, and it's Duncanville and DeSoto and South Oak Cliff, and um, you go all the way, keep going east to Gilmer, Gilmer. They, uh, headed east uh, into East Texas. They won the state championship as well. Pretty impressive. And there's, there's just a lot of football talent in, that, it, in, in the state. On that corridor. In, on that corridor. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, like I said, I think South Oak Cliff may have been the only DFW team to lose. And they were defending – they were back-to-back defending state titles. That's, <laughs> right. That's right. So, That's right. Uh, they also considered a powerhouse. I believe they had won um, 17 um, straight – playoff straight 17 straight games including their playoff games and they were had won two state titles so south oak cliff losing and that was actually probably one of the more competitive games so it's a real good game that was a good game um okay so here's my stats i've been going i've been throwing these out there for a while i've been keeping up with uh draft picks draftable prospects and draft picks from metro areas all around the country i've been trying to keep up with it because dfw's numbers which is so prolific and so mind-boggling and eye-popping that i wanted to compare it to other metro areas around the country and so i've been keeping up with it and if you look at the largest you know metro areas they call dfw the metroplex and it is one of the larger metro areas in the country uh, DFW producing right now since 2020. So I, I went back and did since 2020. They're producing 12 and a half uh, prospects per draft, basically draft prospects, guys who are drafted, who played high school football in the DFW area since 2020. The only metro area that produces more is the Atlanta metro area. Uh, and by the way, the Atlanta metro area is on a different level even than the DFW area. <laughs> so if we talk about those high school football teams that may be the best teams in the country, I guarantee Atlanta's got a couple, uh, uh, maybe one or two that can be in that conversation along with DeSoto from DFW. Uh, L.A. is third 
uh, in terms of metro areas producing the most NFL talent. Miami is fourth. Guys, Houston is fifth. Houston is fifth, and Houston is still, we agree, on a much lower level than DFW right now. Like, DFW is dominating H-Town. They beat them in all the state title uh, matchups that they had, Um, and even when it comes to producing NFL talent now, you know, Houston's around producing 10 prospects per season since 2020, which is a really good number. Like I said, that's top five best metro areas in the country, Uh, but it's not close to where DFW is. DFW seems to be actually even separating. So they're producing more. And it used to be DFW had, you know, better – they may have, they had better teams, like high school football teams and products, but Houston had better prospects. Houston had better players overall. That was the case when I was coming out, and I think it was the case for probably even as, as recently as maybe seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. Um, since then, it has completely shifted, and DFW is now, no question, the most fertile – metro area in texas and second most fertile area for obviously football prospects in the country behind atlanta yeah so so that's that's why your df that's why that map that you pointed out state title uh state champions looks like that because they're all right there in that area because that area not only is booming population wise um but man it football wise not not a lot of places in the country can compete with dfw what they're doing right now yeah uh, yeah. All right, good stuff right there. Somebody asked, how are teams from the same district in separate championship games? It, it's because there's two divisions. There's yeah. 6A Division I, 6A Division II, 5A mm-hmm. Division I, Division II. So, and, and, you know, which division or path you take out of your district once you make the playoffs is yeah. predicated by enrollment yeah, of Yeah, Westlake and Lake Travis end up meeting again. Yeah, they played again. They played again, at, you know, as obviously district foes, they end up meeting again. So, and that's the, 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 the exactly what, what – Rod is highlighting here how remarkable it is that Duncanville and DeSoto from same the same district. district won state titles. And then, you know, it's, it's remarkable that Summer Creek and North Shore yeah. uh, in the same district ended up making it South to the Oak state Cliff title. South Oak Cliff beat uh, PNG. I mean, it's, 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 it's so, such a fertile area without a doubt. And it was on display. If you want to read a great story, my friend Mike Craven and partner on my uh, podcast that I do, the Eyes on Texas podcast, uh, Mike wrote a great story. I thought it was really very, very enlightening because uh, he covered all five days, mm-hmm. he covered all the games, and he got a little really good recap. It's brief, not brief, pretty long piece, but uh, takes you behind the scenes he of the week of uh, the Texas State Championship game. That's it. Uh, TexasFootball.com. It's Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Find it online. Uh, Mike Craven, good stuff right there from Rod and the Rant. We'll come back. We'll let you hear the Nebraska coach. Did he throw some shade at Texas upon getting his butt whipped by Longhorns yesterday? Getting petty. We'll, we'll see. Also, uh, we'll play some bullish or BS for the end of the hour. We're rolling on. It's a good, bad, and ugly Monday. Happy holidays. Glad you're with us. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Busy Monday, the good, the bad, and the ugly from a great weekend. Longhorn Volleyball National Champions. Cowboys looking to make a statement on the road. Well, I think they made a statement, Rod. Uh, yeah, it was the wrong <laughs> kind of statement. Um, Statement was made. <laughs> Dak Prescott, 21 of 34, 134 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. His MVP candidacy took a uh, I think probably an un. I think it's over. Uh, I think it, you can't come back from that. No, you can't come back from that. Not that kind of performance. I, if he, they'd have lost and he still would have played well, I think he'd have been okay. But unless he comes back and just has just uh, the end of the season where like, some unprecedented record setting into the season for him, I don't think he's going to win it. Well, Too many Dak haters out there. Well, and at this point, you are. There are just two different teams. There's the Cowboys at home, where they look like uh, one of the 
best teams in NFL history. <laughs> and on the road, they're not very good. Uh, Mike, yeah, that's true. Good um, point. Mike McCarthy said, uh, we did not play well. There's just a big gap in our play on the road. We've got to be much better on the road. Micah Parsons was asked about uh, the difference. He says, honestly, it's just unacceptable at this point. There's no excuse for it. It's mind-boggling. I don't understand why we're not playing well. We're not coming together on the road. Super frustrating because, um, you know, they're 10-4, and four, and the four losses have come away from home where they've lost to the Eagles, the Niners, the Bills, and the Cardinals. They're undefeated at home. I mean, they're but, – but at this point, you know, it's about what you can do in January, and that loss yesterday – you know, puts you in a spot where you're going to be on the road come January. And three of the four losses are in a similar manner to teams who decide they want to just run the football and play bully ball against you. Arizona, now Bill, Buffalo, and San Francisco. Yeah, and they didn't want to have to deal with the speed of – because that's, you know, the Cowboys' defense is arguably the fastest in the NFL. Uh, defense that's built on speed. Even when uh, Dan Quinn was asked about, you know, what were the things that you prioritized building the defense, he said speed was his number one thing. Uh, and he wanted the defense to be opportunistic. They are that. They are fast, and they take away the football. Uh, but the downside of that is when a guy like Jonathan Hankins is out, who was one of your main uh, run defenders, force, just why you got him there, force run defender, his his absence was, man, it, it, they, it, really, it really was staggering um, to watch that defense try to hold up against the run without him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he left the void, and, uh, his listen, absence. And everybody takes a hit in this one. I mean, it's just a one-game thing, but it's a big one game. It's the third time, as you said, third time that the Cowboys have just been bullied by a, by a team that, uh, you know, on the road. How about this? Josh Allen completed seven passes for 94 yards. The Bills rushed for 266 yards yesterday. Uh, highlighted by James Cook's 179-yard performance. Yeah. Can I let no, – no, this is not what Cowboy fans want to hear, but listen to Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, who are now back in the mix, right? They're 8-6 and six now. They've beaten the Chiefs and Cowboys in back-to-back weeks. Uh, here's Sean McDermott from the victorious locker room. O-line! O-line! You're good, you're good. 200 and some yards rushing, man. 200 and some yards rushing. Hey, you prepared your ass off, man, and it showed, right? It showed. What do the old Bills say, right? When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. It's just right for us. Did we break a record here? We broke a record. Can I get a, can I get a ball, please? Most games in a single season. There you go, that's good right there. There you go. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. I right? like that. That's a good saying. Uh, it's just right. I All like right. that. It's good. Let's hear another interesting piece of sound. The Texas women's volleyball team just won the national championship for a second straight year. They're the dominant force in volleyball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they beat Nebraska. Now, of course, Nebraska has been the talk of college volleyball this year because the Longhorns were seen as kind of down after winning the national championship last year. They had some uh, injuries to start the year. And Nebraska, remember they had the game where they played it at the football stadium and set a record for yep. attendance. And, yeah. uh, they had, you know, they're, they're a beloved volleyball team in Nebraska. They've become the program of Nebraska right now. And so they were, they were the, seen as the team that was going to win this thing. And Texas was a, a nice story, but Nebraska was going to eventually win the national championship. Well, that, that didn't happen yesterday, right? The Longhorns won three straight, dominated. John Cook is the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers volleyball team. And here's a uh, question he was asked yesterday and his answer after the Longhorns uh, made it back-to-back for Jared Elliott. John, in, in what ways has Texas set the bar that you and other teams have to have to match now? i got to think about that. But, uh, you know, um, 
You look at tonight's nat match, I mean, they've got half their starting team are transfers. They're all fourth and fifth year players, except for Ella, the setter, who did a great job. Um, so they've got, um, you know, that's how they've been building their teams. That's how they built last year's team. I like what we're doing. I like recruiting kids and trying to make them be great. Anything further for Coach and our student athletes? There you go. Mm, yeah, I mean, he just sounds. Yeah, I mean, I guess you consider that. It's a little petty, just a little bit. He did. He take a. He took a shot at the transfer portal um, access of Texas and them prioritizing players in the portal. But I mean, that's not. It's not like it's disallowed. It's not like it's against the rules. Right. It's the portal. It's just a, a new modern approach to roster construction. And yeah. Roster I mean, that, right. It's, it's, it's about building a roster. Yeah. I mean, you don't think Jared Elliott is bringing in even transfers or high school players like Ella Swindle and challenging them to be great? I mean, you want, just you get them on campus, doesn't mean you can't challenge them to be great. Mm -hmm. You know, Madison Skinner, uh, the most outstanding player, was at Kentucky, uh, but she's from Katy, Texas. And she transferred back home. He's a little bitter. Uh, he's a little bitter. A little bitter. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's understandable. He's in Nebraska. And by the way, nothing against Nebraska. I'm sure Nebraska has a beautiful campus and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of transfer portal, um, you know, I bet Texas is more attractive than Nebraska uh, in probably most sports <laughs> um, in terms of being able to attract high-end talent via the transfer portal. And it makes those coaches' jobs much tougher uh, at places like Nebraska. I think Texas – Considering the resources they have too, NIL resources, we know Texas is one of the leaders in the country and uh, in, in, in the NIL space. Uh, but also, I mean, Austin's a great place to live, and you know, and, and, and you know, Texas. In, in, in addition to the university and the campus being beautiful, and them having all the resources and the the, the, the programs being competitive, yeah, you know, I, I think he's a little bit bitter because he understands it's a way tougher job for him to recruit out of the portal than it is for Texas. It seems almost too easy. Basically, basically kind of point out, it's too easy for Texas to recruit uh, ladies out of the portal who are just high-end athletes that I developed and then uh, play uh, programs like myself develop, and then they just go to Texas because they want to win championships. Uh, what I heard, Rod, and I, look, he, his team was the favorite, and they got whooped. They did. Uh, that's on you, Coach. Uh, mm -hmm. And credit the opponent. Uh, what about roster management or construction in that game yesterday? Uh, and it, it almost to me sounded like he's saying that, uh, well, we're doing it the right way still, and they're doing it the wrong way. Uh, we like how we're doing it. Coach, it was about a match. You were the favorite to win the thing. And you, however you built your roster, however Jared Elliott beat his roster, you were favored to win yesterday, and okay. you got whooped. <laughs> yeah, sounds like excuses to me. Yeah. We probably should have just been like, you know what, they're a better team yeah. than us. We, we'll, we'll, we'll come back next time and we'll get them. Because they've met like what, That's... four or five times? How many times uh, and Texas hadn't beaten them. Well, the last time they met, well, I think, it was 2015 yeah. for a championship. They've met a few times. A few times. Yeah. And, but, again, they were the favorite. And as you, you just said it, he should have said, you know what, uh, right now Jarrett's you know, setting the bar and we've got we to match it. We've got a great team. We like our team. We'll be back next year. Something along those lines. But to throw the shade at Texas as if like, they're doing it wrong or you know, they're, they're, as you said, you're being a little petty with it, just give them petty. credit. And, uh, and they, did, they did do this and beat you pretty bad with a yeah. freshman setter. Uh, true broke, freshman. They broke the brooms out. They broke the brooms out. Come on, man. You, they broke your will in that mm -hmm. game. Uh, all the aces and service aces, it was a pretty dang incredible performance by the Longhorns. So, yeah, it's all about incredible performances this morning. Well, outside of the Cowboys, by the way. Uh, everyone else is, uh, uh, you know, DeSoto, as you were talking about, Duncanville in high school. Celebrating. Longhorn volleyball. Getting her done. Texas celebrating. Texans celebrating. Well, Not Tex the Cowboys. Well, and, and before we get to the timeout, Rod, let me give you the very latest on the NFL. So, 
as it stands this morning, because, you know, we've got game tonight. The Eagles will play the Seahawks. That'll wrap up week 15, and maybe we'll dive into this closer tomorrow. But in the NFC, the Cowboys are on the outside looking in as far as there'll be a wild card. And the two last wild card teams in, Rod, uh, in the NFC right now would be um, – sure I get this my numbers right here. Add them up. Uh, so you've got the division winners right now would be the Eagles, Niners, Lions, and Buccaneers, right? Okay. Because the Buccaneers own the head-to-head over the Saints. And Baker Mayfield's going to be the comeback player of the year. He threw for almost four bills and four touchdowns yesterday against Green Bay in Lambeau Field. Hmm. about that performance from Baker Baker? Impressive. So now they are the the leaders, and that's who the Cowboys would likely play as a wild card. You'd be the 4-5 matchup, and the Buccaneers at 7-7 now would be the four seed, and the Cowboys would have to go to Tampa. Baker's playing great. Cowboys are 10-4. Vikings and Rams. How about the Rams coming back from the dead? Um, Man, that's a hell of a coaching job he's doing, too. They went and beat Washington yesterday after, uh, boy, that Baltimore game was so close the week before. But they're sitting at 7-7. Seven and seven. Healthy Matt Stafford. Healthy Matt Stafford. Helps, yeah. And getting Kyron Williams back, the running back. The kid, uh, the, about two fifth-round picks you know, leading the way were the Rams with Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. When those two guys are healthy with Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford and, and the, the improved offensive line they have, Rod, Rams are a real a legit team. Yeah, and Sean McVay has kind of changed that. He's not kind of. He has changed that offense um, considering the personnel he has. He's doing a hell of a coaching job right now, especially if they can end up making a playoffs. That would be absurd. Well, and right now they're the seventh seed, so the Rams would play. That's crazy. Uh, the Rams would play, if the playoffs began this week, Yes, they would play the Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, in a wild card game. The Niners would be off. Cowboys would be in Tampa Bay. Eagles would be hosting the Vikings and the uh, excuse me, the Rams and the Vikings Vikings are still in somehow. I don't even know how that's possible. Because <laughs> they own the tiebreaker over the Rams and the Saints. Man. I don't know, man. It, it, and by the way, the AFC is even more It's more wacky. wackier, yeah, it is. Because guess what? As of today, even though they beat the pants off the Cowboys yesterday, the, the Bills are out. The Bills would be outside right now at 8-6. and six. Uh, in the of the playoffs. That's why they're playing so desperate. Yes, they a, they know they have to win out as many games as they can to even make the playoffs. Yes. So they're playing in playoff mode right now. They got playoff mindset. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy in the AFC too, where uh, the wild cards would be the Browns, who the Texans play this weekend, the Bengals with their backup quarterback Jake Browning leading the way, and the Colts. And the Colts. Uh, wow. And remember, the Colts and Texans play Week 18, Week 17, the final week uh, in Indianapolis. That's Huge game. Huge game. Bills play the Dolphins on the last week of the regular season. That's good. Now, that may end up determining whether the Bills get in. Well, the Bills are now huge Cowboys fans because they're now cheering for the Cowboys to beat the Dolphins. Beat the Dolphins, yeah. Because that would help them quite a bit as far as the division goes. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that. That's where it stands. Cowboys uh, laid an egg yesterday, safe to say, in Buffalo. We'll take your thoughts on it, Longwood Volleyball, and the rest on a busy, good, bad, and ugly Monday. Coming back, Rod, we'll play some Bullish. Yes, sir. Or BS. Coming next. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Hook them up. It's time for Bullish or BS. Rod B and Ty. Um, and the Longhorn fans and fans on the text line, not bullish with the Nebraska coach. <laughs> who said uh, Nebraska lost like one match all year. Like what he's doing. He recruited top talent, still lost. Bitter for sure. Bad coaching, making excuses. Uh, he's a little petty. He's and several people have also shown, reported, reminded us that um, that coach recruited Lexi's son, who transferred from Texas to Nebraska a few years ago, mm. and she became one of the best players on the Nebraska team. Yeah, pot, meat, kettle. 
pot, kettle, <laughs> glass houses, rock, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. He's just he's upset because I think he's upset in the manner in which they lost. You know, in Texas broke out the brooms on them, man. That's broke tough. their will. Kind of like the Cowboys and the Bills yesterday. Yeah, and they except this is the Texas Nebraska thing is a bit of a rivalry in volleyball. I mean, they've played with a lot on the line multiple times, and, and there ain't no bigger game you can play than a national title game, and then. Basically, Nebraska was a yeah, – I ain't going to say it was a no-show, but they got dominated in that matchup. All right, Rod. Uh, we've talked about it a couple times already this morning, but bullish. Are we bullish on Christian McCaffrey becoming the first non-quarterback to win an MVP in more than a decade? You know what? I'm going to say I'm bullish on it only because this probably should be the year a non-quarterback wins it because of the amount of quarterback injuries. I do believe we are going to surpass – Last year's number of teams who used multiple quarterbacks. Last year, I think you were at 21 teams that used multiple quarterbacks. Last time I looked, it was at 18. I've not updated that. Uh, I think that was like a week ago. Uh, I think the NFL was at 18 teams that started multiple quarterbacks. I think you'll surpass last year's 21. You still got, what, three weeks to go? What, we in 15? Two weeks? Three weeks, three weeks, three weeks left. So three I think games left. With the, way it, with the way things are going now, you just said Trevor Lawrence is a concussion protocol now. I was watching the 49ers yesterday. Brock Purdy went out for a play or two. Sam Darnold to come in. Unfortunately, there will be more quarterbacks that end up going down. Uh, and I think that just shows you that the quarterback position is going to be hard for any of those guys. They don't make it through an entire season and have prolific numbers to be able to have to make the case for being an MVP. Christian McCaffrey, first time. I mean, what's the last time he made it through an entire season? Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, he makes uh, it the entire season. Maybe to been in, in well, the running Yesterday was big for him because he he ran for over 100 yards, 115. He leads the NFL in rushing by 200 yards over the next closest. Yep. He's also got 500 receiving yards and touchdowns. He's accounted for 20 touchdowns. Um, you I know, say seven of those are against the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, he's had big games <laughs> against the Cardinals. He kind of feasts on that group. He does. Uh, and by the way, Rod, the last and Ty, the last non-quarterback to win the, the MVP was 2012. Adrian Peterson. Hey, yep with the Minnesota Vikings. Every year since then has been a quarterback, uh, but this could be the year that Christian McCaffrey and I – yesterday was big because Dak Prescott was lame and the Cowboys of the team were lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyreek Hill didn't play. Tyreek Hill missed the game, and he's remember, he's throwing for 2,000 receiving yards. Yep. And he's he, on pace to do it. He's a non-quarterback that was in it. He didn't play, and they still won by 30. Right. Uh, so this was a big one for, for – for, uh, Christian McCaffrey's MVP. Ty, are you on? Are you bullish on uh, CMAC? CMC is your MVP. That's my pick right now. Okay, that's your pick. I'm, I'm definitely not on Dak. Definitely, definitely no, not on. Yeah, the Dak train kind but of. Even it. the Jalen Hurts thing lost steam. So just to, there is nobody who's taken ownership of you know being the front runner right now in that MVP race. Christian McCaffrey, maybe the guy might. By default, I mean you got to give it to the best player on the best team. That's that's my. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Was it the Heisman? Was it the Heisman? No, man, it's MVP. Yeah, but everybody's definition of the MVP kind of floats, and I think there's a lot to go into it. And, look, he's, he's, he's the, the best player on the best team. Uh, or is he? That <laughs> becomes a question. Now Brock Purdy, his own quarterback, is pushing for it. And I think it's probably good. You just said it. I think that's the reason. In a year where quarterbacks are, are this is dropping, like flies. dropping like flies, maybe it is a running backs award for the first time in more than a decade. Yeah, uh, what, and the healthy quarterbacks aren't necessarily putting up prolific numbers. Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Uh, Lamar Jackson is healthy, but his numbers aren't like eye-popping. Yeah. They're just winning because he's healthy. He's I mean, making is, plays. He's making plays, but the they're not. The eye-popping numbers belong to McCaffrey because he's ridiculous. Yes. I mean, he's going to end up over well over 2,000. Or Brock Purdy. 
Purdy's, Brock Purdy. Purdy's numbers, if you go to look well, at the Purdy's analytics. Purdy's now lobbying for CMC. I know. <laughs> he's, he's basically throwing his – it's like when those politicians, they're running, for, they're running against each other, and then they decide, you know what, I'm going to endorse this politician. Essentially, Purdy has decided to throw all his endorsement behind Christian McCaffrey, and I believe I'm – I'm with you. I think your theory is around the money. This is Shano saying, hey, guys, we want the MVP to be here on this team. But don't split the vote. Don't split the vote, <laughs> don't split the vote man. <laughs> don't split the vote. And I think that's why they're, they're probably all go, going all yeah, in on Shannon McCaffrey. refused to talk about it. He's like, I don't want to be endorsing either side. Yeah, here. yeah. But now for Brock Purdy to come out and say, oh, no, no, it's 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 CMC. Yeah. Uh, in Good that for spot. him. It's a classy move. Uh, all right, Rod. Did you have a bullish or BS? We can pick it up on the other uh, side. We can pick it up on the other side. All right, we'll Stay do that. Stay on time. Yeah, we'll get to bullish or BS. Right. Uh, it's a good, bad, and ugly Monday, man. There's a lot out there. We'll get to uh, Matthew Goldenrod. Do you like the Matthew Golden edition for the Longhorns? We got it. We haven't talked about it, but I love the Matthew Golden edition. We'll talk love about it. it. The first of what could be a few transfer portal targets committed to the Longhorns over the weekend. We're two weeks to the national championship game. We'll get the latest. Coming next, you're on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.